I want to again thank you for all that you have done for me through the years. The work at Big Spring, some 27 years, you supported the work while I was uh, there, almost 27. And we appreciate that, uh, appreciate that dearly. We, uh, the word of encouragement about looking for preachers, it's not much fun on the preacher's end, and it's not much fun on the congregation's end either. But as Paul says, do not grow weary in well-doing. In due time, you'll reap if we do not faint. So don't give up. Keep looking and uh, wait on the Lord. This coming week is Memorial Day weekend, and most of us are very familiar with memorials. Uh, we have probably someone at the cemetery, and there's probably some sort of a, a stone in front of them with a name and maybe birth dates and, and, and date of death and so forth. We have uh, see signs along the road, a heart or a cross or something of this nature where someone has died in an accident and people want to remember them. Our nation has many memorials set up for special people, uh, died and done great things for our nation. And, but mostly I suppose this uh, coming weekend as a nation we'll be remembering those who have paid the ultimate price in dying that we might have the freedom to come here and worship tonight and we should never forget their sacrifice but of course the greatest memorial is that to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we remember him and his death burial and resurrection on the Lord's Day of every week tonight we're going to be looking at a, a number of memorials some of them are very familiar uh, one or two of them might be less familiar they were to me until I was studying for the lesson and so forth but almost all of them we'll look at tonight have to do with the children of Israel. Romans 15 and verse 4 says the things that are written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul talks about a lot of things that happened to Israel, and it said these things happened to them as an example for us. So we need to learn from them. One of the best perhaps we'll remember uh, tonight is the Passover from the Old Testament. You remember the story quite well how that Jacob's descendants, Jacob himself, and his children, some 74 or so of those, went down to Egypt because of the famine. Uh, God blessed them, but a new Pharaoh came up and eventually put the children of Israel into slavery, and they were mistreated, and a lot of bad things happened. They cried out to God, and God heard their cry and sent Moses down to the children of Israel, uh, down to Pharaoh, and uh, through uh, God and uh, Moses directing the way, I guess, there was ten plagues, and we're familiar uh, with most of those at least. We could probably name most of them, if not all of them. But the last one was the death of the firstborn, and God told the children of Israel what he's going to do. He says that I will pass over Egypt. And uh, the firstborn of everyone will die. But I want you to do this. I want you to take the blood of a lamb and put it over the doorpost and the lintel. I used to wonder what the lintel was when I heard my, poppy uh, my father, Poppy, talk about this. Well, the lintel is just the cross piece across the top of the door. Take the blood of a lamb and place it on the doorpost and the lintel. And when I see the blood, I will pass over. In Exodus chapter 12... Uh, we'll read a couple of verses there about this. He says, Now the blood shall be a sign to you on the houses where you are. Stop there just a moment. It was important for them to be where they were supposed to be. 
they were to be in their houses where that blood was on uh, the doorpost. And today we need to be in that place that's purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, Acts 20 and 28, and that being the church. Continue reading in Exodus 12, verse 13. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. And we're familiar that it was during the Passover week uh, that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper and that he was crucified. In 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7, it says that Christ is our Passover. Christ is our Passover. Just as he, uh, the lamb, was placed on the doorpost and on the lintel, when John the baptizer saw Jesus, he says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So a Passover is important to us. Not that we keep the Jewish Passover, but we remember who our Passover is. And it's important for us to, to remember uh, as God tells us to. Then the laying up of manna. Manna, the children of Israel, uh, they saw something on the ground one morning and they said, what is it? And that means manna, that's what it means, I understand. What is it? You recall the story how they had been out of Egypt only a short while and they began to complain because they did not have any food. And they said, oh, that we were back in Egypt where we had all this stuff to eat and so forth. And they were complaining, but uh, God heard their complaints and uh, he said that he was going to feed them. And in one case, he says they're going to eat so much quail that it's going to come out their noses. And I suppose you can get a picture of what happened there. But the idea of the manna, it, uh, let me read a little bit about it from uh, uh, Exodus chapter 16. And the house of Israel called its name manna. If you read the New American, uh, New King James, it says, they said, what is it? And that's understanding what manna means. And it was like white colander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded you. Fill an omer with it to be kept for your generation, that you may see the bread which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. They were to take an omer of it. Omer is about three and a half pints, I understand, a little less than two quarts. Take an omer of it for each person uh, on a daily basis. And it says that those who gathered much, they had none to, none to spare. And those who gathered little, uh, they, uh, they were not short. But they were not to gather it on the Sabbath day because it wasn't there. Some tried, but it wasn't there. On the day before that, on the sixth day, they were to gather twice as much. And they uh, were to have this. But notice that uh, they were to, this was kept through generations that they may see how I fed you in the wilderness. In a way, it was a, it was a memorial to them to help them to remember. Next one's a little bit uh, less familiar, perhaps, is the stones of the ephod. Now, the ephod was part of the vestment that the high priest was to wear. It was a, a sacred uh, uh, garment and reserved only for the high priest, Exodus uh, 28 and verse 4. 
read a few verses about it in Exodus 28, beginning with verse 9. And you shall take two stones, two onyx stones, and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six names on one stone and six names on the other stone, in order of their birth. With the work of an engraver in stone, like the engraving of a signet, ye shall engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You shall set them in settings of gold, and you shall put them two stones on the shoulders of the ephod as a memorial of stones to the sons of Israel. So Aaron shall wear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders as a memorial. So as Aaron the high priest and dressed up in his Sunday to go meeting clothes or his priestly garments or whatever, you could see these ephod and, and the, the names placed on these stones. The next one, the, the fringes or tassels uh, on the garments. Again, uh, you may be a, a little less familiar. I was uh, to some of this. And there's some interesting things we'll notice uh, uh, at, at the close of this particular section. This was given while the children of Israel was in the wilderness. And it happened right after a man was caught picking up sticks on the Sabbath day. And they stoned him to death because of this. So just after this, I think it's the very next verse, we read in Numbers chapter 15, beginning with verse 38. Speak to the children of Israel, tell them to make tassels, or fringes, some translations say, on the corners of their garments throughout their generations, and put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners. And you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it, and remember all the commandments of the Lord, and do them. On their clothes, they have these little tassels, you know, uh, kind of, I can't think of something, maybe kind of like the old buckskin, you know, with the little fringes on it, or a western jacket, or whatever. Only these were tassels made a special way, and it says, and when you look upon them, you're out busy working around, and you, all these tassels, hey, I need to remember what this is for. Continue reading, and that you may not follow the uh, harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined, and that you may remember to do all my commandments and to be holy for your Lord. Put certain types of things on your clothing, and when you see this, it will help you to remember God's commandments. Well, by the time of Jesus, a lot of the Jews are being very hypocritical about this. And uh, Matthew chapter 23 in verse 5, Jesus says, but, all, uh, but of their works they do to be seen by them. They make the phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. Phylactery was a little thing that they, a piece of paper worn on their foreheads. You may have seen some Jews uh, the uh, some of them still today uh, wear those little box and they'll have scriptures inside of that and then they not only wear that but these tassels uh, uh, they would make them extra long or extra wide so that they would be seen by uh, others well look at them you know look, look at what they're doing well there in Matthew 23 some of Jesus' harshest words towards anyone is directed towards the hypocritical 
uh, Pharisees because of what they were doing. So their clothing was to be a remember of them. Also, uh, what they were to eat in as far as the manna, that were to remember that. And also the Passover. The brazen censers. This is another one. Uh, you may know all of these and more too. I'm sure maybe many of you do. But uh, this one uh, is kind of lengthy. But it en- ends up with the idea of this being a memorial for the children of Israel. Uh, some of the Levites were unhappy with uh, Moses because they said he was taking too much power and too much authority for himself. So Moses uh, tell them that we'll have a, well, a contest of sorts. And uh, we'll begin reading in Numbers chapter 16. We'll read several verses here, beginning with verse 28. And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them for my own will. If these men, now we read back a little bit, it's talking about Korah, Dathan, and Abiam. Uh, They were kind of the leaders, and there were some 250 other people there that had their censers, uh, their little fire pan-like thing in which they would burn incense. If these men die naturally like other men, or if they visit, uh, are visited by the common fate of men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing, and the earth opens up its mouth and swallows them with all the belongings to them, they shall go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord." Now it came to pass, as he finished speaking all these words, that the ground split apart under them, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them with their households and all the men with Korah and all their goods. So they went down all of these them down alive into the pit, and the earth closed over them, and they perished from the assembly." Now, the next verse, uh, we'll not read it, but it basically says that the people were afraid and began to flee. But now notice the very next verse. uh, Notice what happened in Numbers 16, verse 35. Now, fire came down from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. The earth opened up and swallowed the Korah, Dathan, Abiam, and their families. And it closed back up and they were gone. But you still had these 250 people that had been uh, op- uh, offered incense. So fire came down from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, to pick up the censers, little fire pan-like thing that they would have burn incense on, pick up the censers out of the blaze, for they are holy. Uh, scatter the far uh, some distance away. The censor of these men who sinned against their own souls, let them be made into hammered plates as a covering for the altar. I'm right, talking about these uh, pans, these censors, uh, make them into covering for the altar. Because they presented them before the Lord, therefore they are holy, and they shall be assigned to the children of Israel. All right, these uh, fire pans, they were holy because they were used in service to the Lord. The people themselves, the 250, were burned up with fire. 
but these censers were holy, and they shall be as a sign to the children of Israel. So Eliezer the priest took the bronze censers, which those who were burned up had presented, and he hammered them under a covering uh, on the altar to be a memorial to the children of Israel that no outsider who is not a descendant of Aaron should come near to offer incense before the Lord, that he might not become like Korah and his companions, just as the Lord had said to him through Moses. So it's kind of a long story, but kind of an interesting one. I think the idea of these censers that these priests, uh, they were holy because they were offered to God. The people, they were unholy. They died. But they were to take these and no longer use them as censers in worship, but to uh, cover the altar. Our next one is a more familiar one. Uh, this is uh, this time, children of Israel have been uh, out of Egypt some forty years. A new generation has grown up, grew up in the wilderness. Of the six hundred and two thousand five hundred and fifty, all of them are dead except two. The generation that left uh, the uh, Egypt, all six hundred and 2,248, I guess it would be, died in the wilderness. Even Moses had died. And Joshua is now uh, leading the children of Israel into the promised land. And the only thing that stood between them was the Jordan River, and it was at flood stage at this time of year. I've been to the place where supposedly, the tradition of the place where Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. Now, that's just a, you know, a traditional place. We don't know if it's even close to the place or not. But the Jordan River is not a very big place in, in that uh, place where we was at, the time of year we was at. It wasn't as flood. It was maybe as wide as from here to the back of the auditorium there and not a very pretty river or anything like that. But let's notice from Joshua chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, and we'll read this uh, familiar story. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying. Now he had earlier told them that they were to cross the Jordan River and as soon as the priests who were carrying the ark, as soon as the soles of their feet uh, touched the water, then the water would begin to heave up and stay uh, as a wall on one side and the rest of the water would run on down into the sea. All right. Uh, take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and commend them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from them out of the midst of the Jordan, from the twelve, a place where the priests stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe, and Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign that when your children ask you in time to come, what do these stones mean? You shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant when the Lord crossed over the Jordan, uh, when they crossed over the Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial to the children forever. All right, take them over there, pile them up where you're going to be camping tonight, and in ages to come when your children ask, 
Well, what do these stones mean? You'll be able to tell them. Perhaps there's a lesson there for us as parents and grandparents that we need to be giving the children uh, things to remember. You know, we find back in, in Deuteronomy where God told it to write the Word of God upon their doorpost and all, all over. Well, when we were, had our kids small, we would write on the refrigerator. We'd write a verse or whatever with a, a mark, magic marker that could be erased or whatever. But here the idea that when your children ask, you'll be able to tell them. This next uh, one we're observing, or we'll be observing in the next few minutes. And uh, don't, don't panic, but we'll, we're going to be observing this. It's uh, recorded in Matthew chapter 26, beginning verse 6. And when Jesus was at Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head, and he, as he said at the table. But when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you will have the poor with you always, but me you will not have always. In pouring out this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you that whenever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done shall be told as a memorial to her. I don't remember very many of the sermons that my father preached, but I remember him talking about this one day, about how that, you know, uh, uh, wherever the gospel is preached, the, this, this story is told and as a memorial to her. So tonight, in a sense, uh, we are honoring that memorial as we think of uh, her and uh, what she did for her Lord. The greatest memorial at all we mentioned earlier is the Lord's Supper, one that we are very familiar with. I'd just like to read about it from uh, Luke's account, Luke chapter two, uh, 22, and verse uh, begins verse 7. Again, something that we observe uh, every Sunday. And when they of unleavened bread, uh, when the Passover must be killed, he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. And they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he says, Behold, when you have entered a city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he enters. I didn't just think much about that until uh, I guess when one of our trips over to Israel, our guide was saying the important thing about this was uh, men don't usually carry the water. That's always the woman's job. So when Peter and John went into the city and they saw this man carrying water, then that uh, caught his eye. I thought that was kind of interesting. Verse 11 now of Luke chapter 22. Then you shall say to the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room? Where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. And we show you a large furnished upper room, and there make it ready. So they went and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. 
And when the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I supper. Now the Passover was the Passover feast of the Jewish uh, law. You know, this was a Passover week, something that Jesus observed and the apostles were observing because they were still living under the Jewish law. He says, For I say to you, I will no longer eat it until I is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he cut the cup and gave thanks. Now this is the close of the Passover. Uh, he's instituting the Lord's Supper. Take it, take this, and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup, and after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me here at the table. Truly the Son of Man goes as been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. This is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many, for the remission of sins, is Matthew's account, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28. So there's just a lot of, lot of memorials. And uh, thinking about the lesson this afternoon, this afternoon, I thought what Jesus said about Lot's wife. It's kind of an interesting story there, just kind of seems like out of the blue, he says, remember Lot's wife. Well, there's a lot of things we need to remember as we started out earlier talking about Romans 15, 4, things written in four term were written for our learning that we through uh, patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And then these things happen to them as an example, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Well, we're going to close with a statement from uh, Isaiah, Isaiah 46. But before I read that, just a uh, question or two about us to examine ourselves. Are we living a life in such a way that when people remember us, they will be remembering a, a holy person? As Romans 12 says, are we presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice? And uh, when we die, will people say, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord? If not, then we need to examine ourselves. Are we a faithful child of God? Are we a child of God? Jesus taught very clearly that if you don't believe in, in me, you'll die in your sins. John 8 and verse 24. And John 14 and verse 1, he says, You believe in God and believe also in me. And then he tells us, you know, if we really believe, we need to repent. Unless we repent, to change our life, from a change your attitude or heart, a result of that, we'll change our lives. Luke 13 and verse 3. And they'd be willing to acknowledge before others that we believe that he is a son of God. Then to be baptized into Christ where we come in contact with his blood. Baptized into Christ or baptized into his death, Romans chapter 6. And in baptism our sins are washed away, Acts 22 and verse 16. And then live a life that uh, we remember. And by remembering we hopefully will do things that act according to that. Remember the things that were written aforetime, and of course, remember the things that Jesus and his disciples 
have taught us. We're going to sing the song after I read Isaiah 46 and verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. If we can help anyone, we'll love to do so. Let's sing. <laughs>